Well, I have changed what I had intended to preach about and talk about and deviate from the lectionary. As, as I said, got to do it, got to do it, even when it's hard. Well, well sometimes uh, uh, life throws you a curveball and you start to think about different things. And so this is from Genesis 8, beginning in verse 20. Going to verse 22, Genesis 8, 20 to 22. This is right at the, after the end of the flood. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing odor, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of humankind. For the inclination of the human heart is evil from youth, nor will I ever again destroy ever, every living creature as I have done. As long as the earth endures seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, Day and night shall not cease. This is the word of God for the people of God. Gracious God, be with us now as we encounter your word from the distant past that seeks to speak to us in a modern time and place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It has been an emotionally demanding week. By now, most of you have heard of the death of Mary's father. And as the week wore on, my mind became distracted by the plans, memories, and events we've been sharing and preparing to share. Death is like that. It tends to force your mind to wonder, like speed bumps. I caught my mind wondering as I was waiting for my name to be called at physical therapy. Perhaps this happens or has happened to you you, you, you go somewhere during the week and the person at a check-in desk asks, among other things, if you've been out of the country in the past 14 days, been exposed to someone with COVID, been running a temperature or lost your sense of taste or smell. It never fails. When I check in for my weekly physical therapy appointment, I have this set routine with the woman behind the plastic screen. It's usually the same woman, and I wonder what would happen if I answered no to any of her questions. Would, would ninjas come from the ceiling and take me away? Anyway, I tell her the truth. I've been here for the past two weeks. No trips to Belgium and I can still smell everything coming my way. There's nothing I enjoy more 
frankly, than the smell of cooked meat. Light a fire with charcoal or gas or wood, or put hamburger, pork chops, hot dogs, or steak on an open flame. I don't need to see the cooking occur, per se. I can stand back and just smell the juices and flavors. It really is a religious moment, as God just indicated. And some of you who've had COVID or its breakthrough variation know that this condition that's called officially anosmia, that's the losing of one's olfactory capabilities, is a strange one. And as my brain reflects on questions about the absence of scent and what it would be like to lose those precious hamburger moments while I'm sitting there and thinking about this and the Bible and what's all going on in the week. I've been drawn back to the Bible's description, its depiction of God's olfactory sense, God's smelling. And like I said, grilling a burger is a God thing. The first description of God's capacity to smell is found there in Genesis. When Noah cooks up a spit of meat as a gift to God upon departing the ark, and the Bible describes God encountering the smell, sweet and savory, and it's this smell that causes God, this smell that causes God to make a promise. I will never again destroy the earth. That's a powerful smell. We might read this as a crude transaction, a God appeased by burning flesh, but in this time where so many people have had their brains sort of unyoked by scent, I started to think how smell offers us so much more than warnings or, 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 or just specific medical conditions. Scent is just the memory of love and conditions and warmth and family and peace. And it appears that God attaches that same sort of sense of memory and those emotional conditions to smell as well. Throughout the Hebrew scriptures, God is in the habit of smelling things. In Exodus, when Adonai descends from the clouds, Moses proclaims that here is God, merciful and gracious and wide in the nostrils. What we translate now as long-suffering and slow to anger is literally wide in the nostrils. The inverse appears when God's nose is hot, like the time when Moses refuses to believe God can use him to free the Hebrew people from their bondage in Egypt. And throughout the Hebrew Scriptures, God is in the habit of smelling. Offerings are like incense, a pleasing aroma to God like all of us. God inhales the air and breathes in scents that activate the capacity for memories, emotions, and feelings. And the more space in the nose, the more God can inhale. And the more God remembers, the more God feels, and the more God responds. I wonder what memory God attached to the smell of the burn offerings from Noah's lonely sacrifice on Mount Ararat. 
At this point in the Bible, no burnt offering had ever been offered by people or commanded by God. And while the text gives us no answer, the connection between memory and emotion and scent, between emotional recall and aroma, helps us move away from the sacrificial transaction toward the pathos, the very heart and being of being at the heart of God. This, this pathos, this being at the heart of God, is not an idea of goodness, but of living care, of being at God's very heartbeat, of God's very existence, being with God. An immutable example, but an ongoing challenge, being in a dynamic relationship between God and a person. God loves, God remembers, God reacts intimately to the events of history. Noah offers God a, a present. Noah, the one who was righteous and whole, the one whose name means rest. Noah seems to know something intimate about the God he follows. And perhaps the offering on this soaked, soaked, imagine how wet it was, mountaintop, surrounded by receding deadly water, tells us about the mutual love between God and Noah. There is a love between these two beings, between humanity and God, an intimacy that we are invited to witness, an intimacy that you would witness if we had seen and will sometime come back to God and Job at the very end of Job's book. No one knows God in a way that no one else does. And he shares memories born of a common life and faithfulness. And I do not know what the smell of burning meat triggered in God's memory, but in that smell, there was compassion of one form or another. I know that it reminds me most of all that every Thursday I walk out of my office here after the mowers have finished and the smell of freshly cut grass is everywhere over the campus of this church. And this is one of the main ways that I know that I am still healthy and that I am still alive. Cutting through the haze of the digital Zoom-infused day, I sense the sharpness of life. I can smell life all about me. In one moment, I am six in the front yard of the house I grew up in, walking through the grass, and the smell reminds me that I am alive and I am surrounded by the divine presence in this church at this moment and the vibrant, breathing reality of God's creation. Heaven, I say to myself, almost every time must be something like this or it will be nothing at all. Past, present, and future are wrapped into one overall sensory experience and it depends on smell. I smell the grass and I know I am alive, that God is real, and I am part of God's bigger creation and I don't understand it, but I smell it. And it is good. And I know God has compassion for me. Life is inhaled. So God does not reveal himself in abstract absoluteness, but in a personal, intimate relationship to the world. 
And he is also moved and affected by what happens in the world, and he reacts accordingly. And events and human actions arouse him to joy and to sorrow, to pleasure and to wrath, and like us, God smells the world. And God remembers, and in that, God is moved to compassion. And we can take that to the bank. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.